We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and I'm joined by the co-host of the show here, the Road of His Overtime podcast, co-host of Stadium Bananas. It is Sean Siegel and of course on today's show, if you have been listening through the draft series that we did, that FFPC $125 best ball draft, you will know that we drafted a team this past week with Blair Andrews. Blair jumps on again today as we talk through and recap how that lineup looks and what we think uh, the prospects are for it for this season, what we would change if we had to go back and do that draft again, so on and so forth. So do do check that out. I think you're going to enjoy this as we uh, talk through it. There's a lot of um, interesting parts of this draft for those kind of pivot points, see what we think of it. And as always, as a loyal podcast listener, as I'm starting the show, just want to give you a reminder that you can save yourself 10% off a road of his NFL pass. All you have to do is head on over to the website rotavis.com put in that promo code rv radio 2021 at checkout and then of course get yourself that 10 percent discount to all of the content and tools up on the rotavis website and uh you know i think it's uh, the best value for money in the entire industry so check that out once again rotavis.com forward slash podcast but let's get into the recap and see what the guys think of the team let's uh let's see how far this can go in 2021 um, so I think we we for all the pressure we were under with the picks we were hoping to get falling to us. I think we've we've ended up with uh, quite a quite a nice roster. Um, what's your looking at it immediately, Blair? What's your overall thoughts on of that, how things have worked out here? Yeah, I'm actually pretty pleased with the uh, with the team we ended up being able to put together. Even though it seemed like a lot of our targets were. We're going off the board right before we were about to pick them. Still, I think this uh, looks like looks like a really good construction, and I like all the guys we got on the team. So I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with what we what we could do. Yeah, I think I think the big difference for me in any team that I don't go in and get kind of two tight ends and those kind of I would say opening six rounds. I tend when I look back that I don't like them as much as when I, when I can get those. And I think you touched on earlier the names that tend to to be involved a little bit later. Like team one, if you if we look, they took three tight ends and 
three rounds and it was Troutman, Jared Cook and Gronk. And I know we talked about Gronk, but like, you know, we get into some dicey situations when we're relying on, on those three. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how it goes. Like team nines after taking back-to-back tight ends to finish off. It's Dallas Goddard in the sixth round and then Jordan Aikens and, and Tyler Conklin. Um, so there is some questionable ones. Team seven has Herb Smith, Cole Clement, and then CJ Uzoma. So, you know, I think I think we've put ourselves in a strong position versus our our kind of opponents there. I think the, the quarterbacks, although we wouldn't normally do that, I think that's worked out quite well. The wide receivers have, have worked out quite well. I really like um, particularly those first five wide receivers that we've got. So, um if we can if we can get that jonathan taylor week 14 by when we're in those playoffs uh we just have to go and get there now but when we're, like that that's probably the, the biggest part of it that could be the tricky bit but overall i'm I'm pretty happy sean what's your what's your thoughts yeah i mean i think it worked out great when you consider that we had a plan going in to take people you know a, a slightly above adp in some certain spots at wide receiver and not only did they go ahead of where we would have selected them slightly ahead of adp they went well ahead of ADP. And we're not just talking about one or two guys. In round seven, an entire group was wiped out above ADP there. And then we were able to pivot and make the very nice selections of Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, which again, I think is an upside kind of play. I like the way this roster looks in terms of trying to go into a tournament. I like the idea of having Jonathan Taylor and then trying to build around that, knowing that we have to have week 14 covered. The interesting thing here is that we know from Blair's research that you don't want to take those rookie wide receivers, or at least that there's a lot of risk. You'll tend to be overly optimistic, you know, outside the top 100 picks. Then we select Elijah Moore, we select Rondell Moore, and then and we select De'Ami Brown. So we have three of our seven wide receivers are rookies who uh, have a, a lot of question about them. And I think the thing that we can say is simply that we're trying to win the whole thing. We've tried to figure out a way to win the individual league by taking Taylor, having an extra game from the round one pick. And then beyond that, we're looking for these guys to break out. And we're looking for some more value from these players at the end of the season. One of the things that we talk about a lot is how explosive and how valuable the rookie running backs can be late. So you have a Javante Williams who we draft at, you know, approximately a half round discount, which still is somewhat meaningful in the round five area. We get him. He could be the guy who puts up a 25, 30 point game in week 14 gets us across. But I also like our running back options. I mean, again, it just it emphasizes so clearly how and we didn't remotely go in the in the zero RB direction in this draft, but just how dynamic that can be, because you're talking about David Johnson, 1201, Devin Singletary, 1312, Giovanni Bernard, 1401, Hubbard, 1512 and Penny at the 1601. Now, Penny, he's just beyond a wild card to where almost anything could happen there. But when you look at those names, look at how recently David Johnson was drafted early. Look at where Devin Singletary went last year in the same offense. You think about the type of production that James White has consistently given when paired with Tom Brady and Bernard could be even a little bit better talent. You look at what Mike Davis did last year with Christian McCaffrey out. And I mean, Hubbard is just a a far better player than Mike Davis. Now, Mike Davis has had a lot of time in his career to work through adjusting to the NFL level. He hung on, and when he got his chance, he really did make the most of it. A rookie in Hubbard maybe is not quite that same spot, so maybe if he, even if he is quite a bit more talented, maybe he's not ready to do the same things. 
But you know, we're we're hoping that CMC stays healthy. I mean, there's there's no situation ever where we hope that he goes out. If he does go out, you know, hopefully it's not at the beginning. I mean, Hubbard will be in that situation where he'll have been able to adjust through the first half of the season. Again, we hope at a point where he starts to deliver value. And I think at that point, then perhaps he does deliver some significant value, even has some standalone value. One of the things that we see with the Panthers, and you know that when you have a Christian McCaffrey who is, you know, probably like the fifth or sixth best pure runner in the NFL, and then the best pure receiver at running back by just a gigantic margin. I mean, even with Alvin Kamara, I mean, you're talking about like a Grand Canyon sized gap between McCaffrey and everybody else as a receiver out of the backfield. So there's only so much you can do to limit his touches, but he can't play every play. And someone with Hubbard's speed just needs one or two plays to take it all the way to the house. Now we're not expecting him to do uh, a bunch of 80 yard touchdown runs or receptions if he's you know playing 15% of the snaps or less, but it's a possibility. That's why you want to have exposure to guys who actually do have athleticism, who have done something in the past. I mean, you think about his 2019 season in college and Hubbard, well, he would have gotten drafted somewhere else and he'd be getting picked in fantasy up in that range where ETN and Williams are going. And so I like that price on him. I think our running backs could score a ton of points on this team, which even though we talk about how zero RB is not about giving away running back points necessarily, it's also not necessarily the thing that we say out of a lot of RB drafts. We're like, I think we're going to hammer points at the, at the running back position. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like when I look at, you know, the David Johnson, Singletary, Bernard, Hubbard, Penny area there that we took those um, five guys, I'm thinking like, oh, this team's going to be pretty okay at running back. And then I remember that we've taken Jonathan Taylor and Javante Williams. And then I'm like, well, this is a lot better than my running backs normally look. So uh, I think we're in a, a really good spot there. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com. Click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. 
It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I know, Sean, uh, and I'm just intrigued actually as well. You mentioned about the stacking mightn't matter as much in this format. Um, do you think that it's been uh, just that you mentioned that and that was something that intrigued me at the start? Do you think it's been vastly overvalued or do you think it's just something that people are putting too much emphasis on in a slight way? Well, one of the things we do see is that you get different results in different formats in different years, which even just that in and of itself lets you know that it's not necessarily a clear cut thing. You also then have the question of you know, what is the best stack to get you through the first 13 weeks? What's the best stack to win individual weeks in the playoffs? Which things do you want to emphasize on your team? In this tournament format, I'm more interested in making sure that my key players are going to be going against other teams where we could have a shootout, right? In these, you know, week 15, week 16, week 17 contests to make sure that you have that kind of exposure as opposed to necessarily putting the QB with the wide receiver. Blair, you've done a variety of research on the stacking. And at one point we had a, an article that was pretty cool that didn't quite ever make it to publication because it actually wasn't very easy to draw conclusions from the Stack Explorer, you had things pointing in a lot of different directions. What, what are your thought, thoughts on this idea of stacking in this format? Yeah, I'm a little ambivalent about, about kind of the overall value of it. I mean, I think you can see a lot of, you can see why it would work out if you are picking the right offense. But I mean, the question is, um, is it the stack that's helping you actually win your league? Or is it just that all the players you picked happen to be on an offense that was undervalued, right? So um, it's kind of about balancing those correlations with getting players um, at, a, at a good value and getting players below where uh, they will end up scoring. So um, yeah, I guess there's a lot of, confounders and like you mentioned it looks different depending on which year you look at which format so um, there's a lot of kind of randomness already built into just the results we're seeing so it's hard I think like you said to draw a ton of really strong conclusions about uh, the exact benefit you get from stacking so and just to put a little bit of a number with that, and this isn't exactly the format that we're playing, but it's a format that we have several years to work with here. If you have that QB1 wide receiver one stack in the classic from 2017 to 2020, you turn out a below average win rate, a below average top six percentage, and a below average top 2%. And so, you know, when we look at that and say, okay, we want to make sure we have some exposure to our QB with our top wide receiver, then that hasn't been a clear cut advantage if your main goal is you know to get through the first 13 weeks or if you're not in a tournament if you're trying to just you know win your league qb1 with the wide receiver two has been better that's been a mildly profitable one the qb1 with the wide receiver one and the running back one has been you know mildly profitable so we do see some circumstances where that works but even in terms of some of those you know you end up with 
a below average top 6%. And so when I'm looking at what we can do with the stacking versus what we can do by following the insights in the roster construction explorer, I mean, it's very apples and oranges in terms of how much advantage you get. Yeah, I think and as well with the baseball, like there's a situation, even though we have Rodgers and Adams, there's a situation where Joe Burrow outscores in points per game a season long, uh, outscores Aaron Rodgers, and then obviously we're not starting that stack at all. Um, but I think that you mentioned the correlation then in the playoffs is much more kind of targetable. In this situation, we have the Packers and the uh, Ravens, for example. So um, I think that's interesting. It, it's the, the one thing I've noticed um, looking into different contests and that over the last uh, couple of years, particularly in baseball, is when it gets to the end of the season portion where we're splitting it by the week by week by week, let's say it's three weeks or four weeks, what's happening a lot of the times is there's teams that have got wiped out in the season and there's teams that then might have got wiped out in that first week. So the team that actually wins it, there mightn't be as, like the team isn't as good as maybe we expect it to be. Um, when we look through the players, it's, it's not just like, it's not like they have 10 starters that are just, you know, the wide receiver one, the tight end one example. Um, there can be, uh, there can be a lot of players in there that maybe we didn't think would get it. So that's where KJ Hamler is going to be for us this year when we're in the, the final round of this this contest but um i think overall pretty interesting last question for both of you is um if we could go back and change one pick is there is there one particular pick that you you might change or is there one particular player you wish fell one more draft spot that got to us well there are a lot of guys i wish had uh, <sighs> lasted one more draft spot and most of the ones i'm seeing here they actually they should have easily gotten to us by adp but actually didn't even get within one pick of us in the actual draft <laughs> that's what i'm seeing too i'm seeing a lot of players on team nine and team 10 that i would like to get in those opening kind of uh seven kind of round ranges but they they all went well ahead of adp uh, i did think mclaurin and lamb were probably going to go before it got to us but you know, hawkinson went um you know if we could have a situation where we had hawkinson over andrews that would probably be the one i would take but even the likes of the chenault went uh, well ahead of us there rugs went uh a long way before us and marquise brian i suppose was one that we we had talked about but i think overall the way that it played out in the end up has has worked out quite well but no those that round seven and round three are probably where i would uh, uh, they didn't get anywhere near us in the end up <laughs> <laughs> yeah the one guy we didn't i don't think we even mentioned him when we were maybe we were all thinking we can't say his name because he might not make it to us but uh, i was really hoping will fuller would make it to uh 912 but he didn't. Of course, I guess he has a week 14 buy, so maybe we don't. We didn't want him anyway. Yeah, and I was kind of confident that Boyd was going to be in that discussion for us um, at the end of the seventh round, but he went to, um, he went really early there for us, so <laughs> it, that, that discussion never happened. It, it was in the the seven eight range there, where if that round had gone better, I think it would have changed our potential fortunes because instead of getting the two early QBs, then we have this possibility of you know taking a fitzpatrick late and sort of putting him with i i think if we had taken logan thomas then it may have been even more disappointing because I, I do think even though i've mentioned that that i think the stacking advantages are overstated you can definitely see how they would play out one of the things and this isn't an argument for or against this is mostly just an anecdote obviously but you would think with how dominant that Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs combination was all season long. 
And then with how amazing it was in week 16, you would think that in say the FFPC main event, the top three, four, five, maybe 10 teams would all be teams that had Allen and Diggs stacked together. And the actual result was that we had a Diggs team versus an Allen team really separated by a decent one and two. And it was like the very final play when Diggs, and not the final play of the game, but the final play where they were still out there together, where Diggs managed to jump barely ahead and and take his team to the $500,000, obviously because wide receivers get a few more points on those QB to, to wide receiver touchdowns. And so, you know, even in a situation like that, we've seen where you didn't have to be stacked in the key stack to be the one, two guys in a tournament championship. Now I'm not saying that, that would necessarily play out again at the same time. I would think that you would want to have those two guys together to, to win those leagues when they become that good. They have that dominant season. I don't necessarily think that we have that many instances though, either of guys who are both so undervalued, right? I mean, Allen destroyed his ADP Diggs destroyed his ADP. That's something else that Blair was just mentioning there a second ago is that, yeah, I mean, the, the stack element does matter, but the fact that those guys crushed where they were drafted was a huge element in making and getting their team to that point in the first place. But well, my other thought on our team is that if we had taken Thomas, it would have been interesting to have Fitzpatrick there. I'm actually glad it worked out the way it was. I have Thomas a little bit above Fant, but I like to kind of get both of them. If we had taken Thomas and then we had to take those two quarterbacks the way they were in order to make the team kind of work out right, you know, you might have been a little bit disappointed because I think that Fitzpatrick is going to destroy his ADP. I think that, you know, unless he gets hurt – it's it's interesting, right? Because he has this profile that is so very different than, say, Derek Carr. Where Derek Carr, you're like, okay, well, he's not going to necessarily move the ball that well, or he's not going to have the team be explosive. They they move the ball, they move the ball, and then they don't score that many points, except against the Chiefs. I mean, you watch the Raiders against the Chiefs, and you think that they have the greatest offense of all time. And so there's this potential for them to make a little bit of a jump because the Chiefs defense overall wasn't that bad. I mean, those games were interesting shootouts, right? So you have Carr, but the guy who avoids sacks, avoids interceptions, but maybe he doesn't push the ball. Fitzpatrick on the very opposite end. It's almost like this Jameis Winston type of character where, you know, if you want to get the ball up and down the field, you know, if, if you're losing late and you're like, okay, well, it doesn't matter if we throw an interception, but we do need to, to, to get down there. Then, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your guy. I think that he's gone through so much, has developed to an extent where, you know, we saw with him and the Dolphins being able to move the ball without making all of those mistakes. And he was doing it with a team that had no talent, right? I mean, the, the Dolphins down the stretch there, yeah, I mean, they've got Devontae Parker. He might be okay. They have Mike Kosicki. We hope that he takes a breakout. But overall, I mean, their talent level at the receiving positions, which is one of the things that Tua was struggling with, right? When we're evaluating him, it's like, yeah, there's just, there's nothing there, right? And so you have Fitzpatrick come in to show what he's going to do. He's now going to be playing with McLaurin, going to be playing with Curtis Samuel, which is interesting because Samuel, I think, still a guy who has a lot to prove, playing with Logan Thomas. And then obviously we, we selected Brown in round 18. Blair and I are very high on him. There are some things that point in his direction. You know, we would have liked to have seen him actually have more volume as opposed to create all of these vertical plays. But that North Carolina offense, they did actually have to spread it around some. And part of the reason that they were so explosive that Javante Williams and Michael Carter are such high profile players is that, you know, you had to take him into account. And even with that being the case, I mean, he, you know, he's scoring 20 yard touchdown and 20 yard touchdown. He's a guy who uh, very few players last year in college football were that dynamic. And so 
Fitzpatrick with that group of players, I, I think would be very interesting. And again, we're, we're looking at the stack with the idea of beating ADP, not just putting guys together. It all comes back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that's the, the key way to, to end this one, but uh, let's, see, let's see how it plays out. And that does it. We have got all the way through. We have done the draft. We have recapped the draft. We can see where we settle at this point. Of course, if you like the team, if you dislike the team, if you like some picks, if you dislike some picks, maybe you agree or disagree with what we did in the draft, let me know at Overtime Ireland. Let Blair know at Am I the Real Blair? And uh, we can talk through some of those thought processes. But thanks again for tuning in. Hopefully you have enjoyed the series. If this is the first one you've listened to and you've just heard us do the recap, head back and listen to the draft itself. We did three parts. Hopefully you'll enjoy that. We will be doing some more of these throughout the offseason as well as we get ready to draft in some of those tournaments and uh, some of those contests that we did last year and that we like to do every year. We'll be bringing you that that your way. So you know, making those decisions then on the clock might be um, a little bit more constructed or you might take some stuff that we're doing and implement that into your draft. So, so I think it's a, a valuable thing to learn along and draft along, especially when somebody like Sean is drafting along, somebody like Blair, lots of insights to take from those guys, two of the best in the business. But until we're back with another edition of the podcast, make sure you're following Blair Andrews on Twitter at Am I the Read Blair, the author of The Wrong Read, and Sean Siegel. Uh, of course, check out his great work up on rotaviz.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And until we're back, some more rotaviz programming. Of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com